Well, good day, good day. Here we are again at the kitchen table. Arctic Eric with you. My goodness, I guess it's been closer to a year since we last met here at the kitchen table for some fika together. Fika, that wonderful Swedish invention that we experience at least three times a day here. It uh, is fellowship, including coffee and uh, something to eat. Could be something sweet or it could be a light open-faced sandwich. But nonetheless, welcome to the kitchen table. It's so good to be back with you. My, my, my. What a uh, wonderful race I've been through. And you wonder, well, what could be wonderful about the race? Well, if you heard anything a year ago, uh, there when I uh, was ending podcasting for a season, you heard about the lump. Uh, the day before my birthday last year, which is coming up soon, my birthday that is, uh, I had a bit of a lump under my left ear, and to make a long story short, it turned out it was a malignant tumor. So I spent uh, the summer actually at the University Hospital in northern Sweden, eight weeks, where I went through some uh, extensive irradiation, radiation treatments after the removal of the tumor. And then after the removal of the tumor, two more surgeries to try to find the source of that tumor, the primary tumor that is, because I ended up with what's called a cup, cancer with an unknown primary. Anyway, uh, September 1st was my last dose of irradiation, and I'm in recovery. It looks like it might take a bit longer than I had initially expected and hoped for, but still knowing that God's in control and that God's got it. He's had it from day one, and he hasn't left me. He hasn't forsaken me. So it could be a year or two before I have a majority of my salivary glands functioning again and my taste back and things like that. Unfortunately, they did remove one sensory nerve that was intertwined in the tumor and also a muscle, and that muscle controls uh, my, a portion of my face, and it does cause it to be a bit more challenging to sit here and chat with you. Also, of course, the lack of saliva means that uh, I have to drink a lot more fluids. Nonetheless, it is good to be here with you. Uh, while I've been away, there has been the run-up to a presidential election, and then there has been a presidential election. And uh, now, of course, uh, about a month ago now, a little less than a month ago, the new president of the United States was inaugurated. And several of my wonderful friends on Facebook during the many months sent me, uh, primarily from the Word of Faith and char charismatic circles, different prophecies uh, about President Trump and his re-election and things like that. Well, I don't really want to go into that as much as I want to go into what in the world does the New Testament show us is New Testament prophecy for each and every believer. By believer, I mean someone who's born again, someone who is trusting in Christ and Christ alone for their eternal salvation. That God's kingdom has come to them, the king is dwelling in them through the person of the Holy Spirit, and they are those who are when it comes to the New Testament prophetic, they are those who are willing to spend time with Christ in the Word, in the New Testament, with the help of the Holy Spirit. How does God want to speak today by the Spirit? One of the things we're going to be looking at, if you have your Bible, is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. There are 
three chapters in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Most are familiar with 13, the love chapter. I'm going to focus on or mention the last verse, 13, 13 in 1 Corinthians, and then verses 1 and 3 in 1 Corinthians 14 to give you some insights into healthy New Testament prophecy. There are, I'm sure, are plenty of others out there on the internet, both defending the false prophecies and uh, condemning the false prophets who gave the false prophecies. That's not my business. My business is to encourage us to be discerning, and that requires time with Christ in the Word, and also to be channels of New Testament prophecy into the lives of other people. Obviously, it begins, as I said, with that personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ through faith in him, that gift of faith that is given to us. It is a gift, uh, and we trust him and set our eyes and hope and our focus upon him. Also, those who have spent time in the Word, so they have some element of discernment, and discernment comes not only through the Word, but by exercising discernment. But this isn't a teaching about discernment. I want to talk about New Testament prophecy. I'm thankful for all of those who do send me different things by Facebook Messenger. I don't often listen to more than the first 90 seconds of things because it doesn't take long to discern which way they're going, where they're coming from and where they're going. And, of course, I'm also concerned for myself that I'm eating, consuming more of the Word of God, both through my eyes and through my ears, than I am all other forms of Christian information. I've discovered over the years that, for me, the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, revealing Christ is the most valuable thing in my four decades of walking with Jesus. In fact, I'm in my fifth decade. And uh, what are we in? No, we're in the 20s. This is my sixth decade with Jesus. But it's actually 44 years spread over six decades. Being open to the Holy Spirit is helpful, if not absolutely necessary, if we're going to begin to move into the fullness of New Testament prophecy. Now, probably one of the safest definitions of New Testament prophecy, particularly for cessationists, that means those who have an understanding that some of the gifts, not all, some of the gifts of the Spirit have ended. It's necessary to understand that above all else, I think all camps would agree that New Testament prophecy is primarily inspired preaching and teaching, a word in season. Praise God. That's marvelous. That's wonderful. But it isn't limited to that. You know, we've got to be so careful not to limit the person of the Holy Spirit and at the same time not to focus too much on the subjective experiences, but rather have our experiences firmly grounded in Scripture. And I like to say it this way, I want to experience everything that God clearly reveals his son desires to do in me and through me as long as it's shown in Scripture. I don't first look for experiences and feelings and then try to find Bible verses to cover it. 
but I have made a decision to put the objective written word of God ahead of the subjective. But I do not rule out the subjective. I think God wants us to have a, a reality check, a balance check, and that is between what he says and what he then does. It's a wonderful life when we look at it that way. Let's talk about prophecy in the New Testament, prophecy for all believers. We're going to be talking out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the last verse, and then 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 and 3. Now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. The one who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to people. Verse 13, 1 Corinthians 13. And now abide faith, hope, and love these three, but the greatest of these is love. Paul describes love as the most valuable of these three. Many times I visit homes where they have a sign that says the greatest of all is love. And they're quoting this verse. But that isn't what it says. It says the greatest of these is love. Now we know that God is love. But God's love is an active love. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he acted. He didn't just look at our situation and feel compassion for us, but his compassion, his love, led to action. He gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And this is so important, because God is love, but he's many other things as well. He's a judge, he's just, he's merciful, he's gracious, He's kind, among other things. And we've been recreated. God's love lives in us, and God wants to help us to be filled with thanks in verse 13 that the greatest of these is love, and we've known that love, and we're coming to know that love even more. But like God, and what Paul's describing here, we not only want to know love, but we want God to express his love through us. We want that love to take upon an action, just like God himself acted on our behalf when we were lost and undone in sin. Let's continue here now, 14.1. So we're to pursue this love, this God kind of love eagerly pursue it. We're to seek to acquire this love. We're to run after. We're to aspire to it. We can make this love our aim. We can make it our greatest quest. We are to follow the way of love. But there's more. We are to eagerly and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts, the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. This includes interpreting the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching. 
Continuing, we read, The one who prophesies speaks. Of course, prayer has its place as we pray for others, but also speaking to others. It says, The one who prophesies speaks, and we can see what that prophecy looks like. They speak edification, which is upbuilding, strengthening through God's inspired words, not just our thoughts but God's inspired words. Many times when people come to wanting to speak something that they believe they have for another person, they'll often think, oh, it must be the enemy. He just wants me to look foolish. Or we think, oh, it must be me. Well, the enemy's defeated, and I can look foolish without his help. And most of the time, I'm thinking about me and not about others. So in my walk, I've decided that when I get a thought, a prompting, an idea to edify, to upbuild, to strengthen, that it's God in me wanting to do it. So that's the first of the three things that New Testament prophecy gives to every believer as that believer speaks to others. The second thing, and and definitely and desperately needed throughout the body of Christ in believers everywhere I've ever been, is encouragement. And I don't mean encouragement to press on in the flesh. I don't mean encouragement to hang in there by one's own strength and ability. I mean an encouragement that says, the battle is the Lord's. Encouragement that says, he who began this wonderful work in you, he will complete it. The encouragement that says, yes, we might be, you might be going through the valley of the shadow of death, but it's only a shadow. Christ is with you and he's going to carry you all the way. Whatever that encouragement is, we speak it out. And exhortation. Exhortation is interesting, and it's not in all translations. Some only say encouragement. But this word actually means a couple of different things. Exhortation, it means a calling of someone alongside to help, which is also a description of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Our paraclete, he's called to our side to help us and then to manifest help through us to others. Its primary meaning is urging someone, exhorting them, urging them to do something or more specifically something ethical, to take an ethical course of action, to do something that is morally correct, behaviorally correct, and it has to do with doing right and wrong. There will be times when we will feel a a word of exhortation for someone, a word of caution that's motivated for love, knowing that the, the train is on the tracks, but the bridge is out just ahead, and, and we want to caution them to take a particular action, to encourage them to do it. And then, of course, the third thing, it's edification, encouragement, exhortation, and the third thing, comfort and consolation. And and you wonder, well, how can I comfort someone? Well, Scripture makes it clear that God in us who has comforted us, that same God in us who has comforted us, wants to bring comfort to others around us. 
He wants to do it. You know, we often think, well, I, I, there's so much I don't know how to do. Well, I want to encourage you that the one in you, the person of the Holy Spirit, he knows how to do all that God desires to do, not only in you and for you and to you, but through you. So the one who prophesies, and this is every believer in the, he speaks to people. This person is pursuing love, which means God is actually pursuing them. You can't love him if he hasn't loved you first. So we're receiving more of his love and his love in us, his ability, his strength, his power in us leads us to be a channel of edification and exhortation and comfort to those around us. Again, this is God's love as it continues to express itself not only to you and not only in you and not only for you, but through you. God so loved the world that he gave. It's one thing for me to know God loves me, and it's another thing for God's love in me to reach out through me to those around me to bring them edification and strengthening, to build them up, encourage them, exhort them, comfort them, and bring them consolation, all by the Holy Spirit, not by soulish power, nor by mind power, but by the Holy Spirit. And that's a whole other teaching to separate those. But the Holy Spirit will show you for the purpose of this look at New Testament prophecy. Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, uh, before he wrote this, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And I would like to say that for many people, the way into the greater gifts or other gifts or the fullness of the gifts is through this allowing God to use you in New Testament prophecy, it's for every believer, and that will, quote, open the door, my words, into understanding other gifts. And this to desire the gifts literally means pursue them, strive for them, seek after, aspire to. And, and it's actually a person who is the gift giver, Jesus God gives good gifts to his children, including the Holy Spirit. So we're actually looking for Christ and what he has done and desires to do to encourage and comfort and exhort those around us. How many times have you, and I'm kind of repeating myself, felt impressed to share something uplifting with someone? But we hesitate. But the more we go for it, the more we judge, first of all, is what I'm saying going to encourage and exhort? Is it going to bring edification and comfort? Then we go for it because the enemy doesn't want to comfort anyone. And I am often too busy wanting to be comforted to think about comforting others. So in my world, that desire, those thoughts are from God through his spirit but they need to be spoken. A lot of times we're derailed by saying to ourselves, well, I'll pray for them later, and later never comes. But that's not the point. Even if later does come, God wants us to learn to speak to one another in words of encouragement. Lord knows we need it. The tense of this verb, to pursue or to desire, means keep on desiring. And you say, well, how do I do that? What a question. That's a whole nother message, but I'd like to say this about that. 
It's just like being filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5.18. That is a continual process of the Spirit. We remain open to the person of the Holy Spirit, trusting Him to do these things. The greater gifts or these special abilities that Paul wants us to seek are available today and the most important today to get going in New Testament prophecy is to edify, encourage, exhort, and comfort one another. Now, I want to say very clearly, the gift of prophecy does not have so much to do with predicting future events as it has to do with bringing some message from God under the direction, under the leadership of the person of the Holy Spirit. This gift provides insight, warning, correction, and encouragement. We'll go more into that another time. We know the Corinthians were eager for gifts, especially for tongues. But Paul desired for them to be eager for the gifts that edify, namely prophecy. The Reformers, such as Luther, believe that sermons are the exercise of the gift of prophecy. Other scholars say that prophecy is used by Paul as a means of spontaneous, spirit-inspired messages that are orally, they're spoken, they're orally delivered for edification and encouragement. Both of these statements are true. Limit not the Holy Spirit, nor go beyond what is written. I'm looking forward that when we're together again at the kitchen table another time, we can look at the other gifts of the Spirit. But I want to encourage you to, to prime the pump, as we say, through New Testament prophecy, through being open to be used by God's Spirit to encourage, to edify, to exhort, and to comfort. Oh man, it's been great being back here at the kitchen table with you. I am so looking forward to the next time. Until then, God bless you. Good day.